0: next chapter podcasts next chapter podcasts
1: hello and welcome back to how i got greenlit i'm alex collegian for my co-host ryan gibson he's in bali shooting uh no he's not he's at home and i'm doing it because that's my job that's why we're here This week, we have Grace Patterson, part two, another great woman filmmaker with an incredible story. I'm loving what we're discovering with these people. You see their bios, you think you're going to hear one story, and then there's six lives before the film life, and that's the best part. In this case, Grace was a professional cheerleader, which I think is amazing and hilarious because that is right there is the epicenter of the cultural shift that we're living through together. And she was on the front lines of the old way, you know, and it's not old. It's still there. Incredible, nonetheless, that such a thing still exists, that the roots of it, how she learned from it, how she enjoyed it for the dance and the performance of it and didn't get caught up in the rest of it and how that informed her work ethic for what she wanted to do, or what she discovered to do, which is make movies. So we get to learn more about that. And in the process, we do our little gem that we love for selfishly is for a filmmaker to recommend a film that we haven't seen. And a lot of times we call it a B-side. For this one, she brought Hush, directed by Mike Flanagan, 2016. Very intense horror movie, incredible, and something that I wouldn't have watched otherwise, not to, no offense to anybody. I'm just not, usually not that intense in my sort of horror thriller. And so that's what I like, a new person, new influence. Grace, it's a huge film for her, very influential to her, and uh, maybe a window into her more than just her words or more than just her work is influences and, uh, inspirations. So without further ado, please enjoy Grace Patterson, writer, actor, producer, Grace Patterson, as she continues her conversation with Ryan Gibson. And I'm Alex Collegian, and you are listening to How I Got Greenlit. Like you do a Lifetime movie, they're pretty tight budgets. I mean, we don't yeah. need to get into the, to the nuts and bolts, but yeah. Ryan and I will tell you that they're pretty goddamn tight budgets and they're shot on a tight schedule. Yeah. Thir- part 13 of days keep,
2: normally, right?
1: It's yeah. A, yeah, it's this usually 14, about... Yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's basically, they use TV people who are used to like, a, you know, whatever, a seven to 10 day schedule and they go like, okay, you're doing two TV episodes back to back and you're going to shoot in this... Vancouver suburb and you're going to do X, Y, Z, and then you're out. Are they block shooting this, Grace, the one that you're doing right now? Um, no. They're not? Just,
3: yeah. No, no, no.
1: Block shooting gang means that you, if there's a location where it's the living room of the house, they will just shoot every single scene that takes place in the living room of the house At once, so you don't have to move all the trucks and all the equipment, and then they're done. Ryan, I would say block shooting is more uh, applicable for a series. Oh no, they we do it in movies now too, buddy. No, I mean everybody does. A lot lot of the
3: lifetime movies do do that, but this one, this one's honestly been running very, very smoothly, and yeah, we're just we haven't done over a twelve-hour day, which is wow, insane. No, I honestly can't believe how like smooth this one's going. But we do it. We're we're doing it in fourteen days. Usually you do wow. like 20 pages a day. I mean, this one, yeah. this one we've been doing, like, I don't, I mean, not, that, not that many, like maybe like eight or nine and it's been no over 12 hours. It's crazy.
1: So like three or four pages a day is a good day for a feature. Guys. So yeah. So we're doing definitely 20, a
3: lot, but <laughs>
1: pretty extraordinary.
2: And are you non-union, Grace?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm eligible, but I just haven't joined yet, but I think I'm a mesh join. So I think the next section, project i do i'll have to join no
2: but i'm saying are the grips and electrics and every camera are they is it a non-union project yes it is a non-union
1: project would you ascribe that like efficiency to most of the crew has done like 10 of them and they're like this is how we do it bang 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 yeah like, it's just like, yeah 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 it's great i mean it's it's a it's a machine they gotta
2: have content lifetime has to have content and they got a
1: they... lifetime got a lifetime yeah
2: yeah
0: mm-hmm. part of fear the cheer a killer month of movies
2: and so grace would you say you know we're talking about you know part of the show is this green lit moment what was your time that you you kind of looked at yourself in the mirror or just had Mm -hmm. like 10 seconds to yourself and you're like holy i'm actually making my dream come true and it doesn't have to be in front of the camera because you have a lot of other stuff that you do so do you remember thinking wow i've made it
3: I had that moment. So I had done the two Lifetime movies, Killer Cheerleader or whatever. And so I, then I booked my bigger role in Who's Killing the Cheerleaders. I wasn't a lead, but it was like I was, I think, number five on the call sheet, which was the highest I had been. And so I was like really excited about that. And that production company was about to do just what the doctor ordered, which is an Eric Roberts movie. And so at this point, I'd never even been like number two on the call sheet. I'd never been number one, like nothing.
0: And well,
1: so wait, wait, of- stop right there. Just hmm. listeners, the 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 pecking order on a set is who, what order you are. There's a call sheet, which is literally like the people that are working that day, where to go, their contact information, hmm. and the higher up you're listed on that sheet determines your importance. It's it's a very literal <laughs> like pecking one, order. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. three. <laughs> you are fourth important. If a meteor hits. We will throw you in front of the number one person.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah it's it's, like it's kind of like knowing who comes after the president and vice president are dead. That's
1: It's yes. exactly. It, <laughs> it is. Who is grew, grew, the grew the house? house yeah. is third. Yeah. So it's a good feeling when you show up and you go, I'm number three. Yeah. When the call sheet yeah, comes in the you're, night you're, before. I'm ma- you're I'm climbing. Making it. Yes.
3: And so anyway, yes. I was only number five and like I heard they were doing the Eric Roberts movie. So I reached out to the casting director and I was like, I really want to audition for this. And I went to like the producers. I'm like, hey, I really want like this role. And, you know, they were looking at me. on like a number five on the call sheet. And they're kind of like, okay, like maybe. And it was a cheer movie. And they're like, we don't know if Grace could really pull off something like this. Like she's like such like a cheerleader or whatever. Like no one really took me like seriously yet. And so anyways, I basically harassed them enough where they were like, let's just give it to her. And so I found I was doing the Eric Roberts movie. So I was going to be, I was going to be number two, him number one, me number two. And we're going to shoot it in Georgia. And then I had just recently like cold emailed a bunch of managers. And I got a meeting with industry entertainment, which they rep like Joey King, Debbie Ryan, they rep like they're, they're up there. And I had a meeting and my manager, Mark said he wanted to sign me. So this all happened like the same within the same two days. Like I found out I'm doing the Eric Roberts movie. I signed with the great manager and I just, and then I found out too, that I was, offered another movie where I was going to go straight from filming this to Oklahoma and I was going to be number one on the call sheet for cheer for your life. Like it all happened within like three days. And I remember I was in my hotel in Georgia and I was, and i had worked local hire for the first one. And then now they were like paying for my hotel and paying for my travel. And that's the first time that that had happened to me. And I was in my hotel and I was like, Oh my gosh, what if all my dreams come true? And that was it was like I just remember sitting there and I couldn't sleep like all night long. I was just thinking, like, what if it all comes true? Like I felt so crazy. And that just like I just literally like all night long just thought about like, oh my gosh, like what if it all comes true? And I think that was probably the moment where I just all of a sudden felt like I'm not that crazy. Like this this is happening and it's happening pretty fast. Like that caught some momentum then. And so I feel like that was definitely my moment. And I was like so nervous to do a movie with Eric Roberts. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot! I like, I'm gonna be so scared. <laughs> but it went great.
2: <laughs> and now you are a working actor.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: You're. This is your job, along with job. Al- along with the twelve other jobs that you have.
1: Oh, yeah. But those are because you want. Those main. are because you want to. Yeah. I'm just. I'm gonna read them off. Dying to be a cheerleader. Yes. Who is killing the cheerleaders? Mm-hmm. The pom pom murders, mm-hmm. killer cheer mom. Oh, that would that that deadly is. cheer mom Ugh. and mm-hmm. cheer for your life.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, <sighs> That's all my of movies. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been
1: the? Have you
2: ever been the killer? Grace? Uh, now you're the murderer.
3: Have I been the, the murderer?
2: The, yeah. Have you been the murderer? No,
3: I haven't. Oh, uh, no. they're missing
2: an opportunity there with you.
3: I, I think that it's coming. You know, I think that. Oh,
2: you should definitely, you should be killing your competition. In fact, it should be called Killer Competition.
3: Killer Competition. That would be so great. You gotta, you I, I thought I was going to be the killer in this one when I was reading the script. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to be the killer, but I'm not.
2: Do you want to be the killer? Yeah, I would love to. I think it'd be yeah, great. I,
3: yeah, I love playing like things different from me. Well, maybe I'm a little crazy. So maybe you want to be that far off.
2: <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say this might, the audience might, if I didn't know you as well as I do, the audience might get mad at me for saying this, but mm-hmm. it would be kind of sadistic yeah. to hear you're like Flowing positivity as you're murdering someone, like <laughs> I think so
3: too. Because you're no, I know, I. Have it's not that far.
2: Laugh. There's a thin line between yeah. your laugh, your laugh it's being evil. like fun, and your laugh being like I'm killing you
3: now. <laughs> no, I know people always. say I have like kind of a slightly evil laugh. Yeah, and so a bit. I think I know. I would love to play like curly Quinn or something. You know, I want to do something. Like, oh, Grace, I, that would be great. I would for be you. great for that, right? Oh, I know yeah. I'm such a psycho laugh. I think it's gonna come around, honestly. Like. Eventually, the laugh is gonna pull through because my people always comment on my laugh. Like I, you're infectious.
2: You're infectious. But I used to get so
3: bullied for it. People like used to bully me it so much my laugh, and now it's the thing I get complimented the most on. See, see
2: how it works, kids. That thing, that thing that you, that thing that you hate, becomes the thing that makes you.
3: It is, and I had like stopped laughing for a long time because I was so embarrassed. that I, yes, because I was so embarrassed. I was so bullied for my laugh, so I was like trying to be quiet. No, but it's but it is that is good to to tell kids. I'm like whatever people are bullying you for, it's because it stands out about you, it's and that is like a gift. A gift, and don't like put it don't down. Don't shun it. Keep being. Don't shun it. Like let it shine. You know, and I people would always when I was young, they were like actor, I remember this girl was was my age, and she was like, you need to act. Uh, don't act your shoe size because I was acting just like yeah. I was I'm just like yeah. I am just goofy. Like even to this day. And she's like, you need to be more mature. And because I was just like running around, you know me, Ryan. Right? I'm like cartwheeling. I'm just like crazy, and I'm just like having fun at all times. And I was embarrassed by that too. And now that's also what people compliment me the most on is that I'm just like crazy, and I don't care. <laughs> so keep doing it. <laughs>
2: that I mean, that's pretty much the, the show's over, folks. There it is. There's our there's our <laughs> the more you know message for the day. I, I have to yeah. say from. Pretty much minute one, as soon as I met you, I was like, oh my God, this, this person is infectious. You're just really like someone who has taken levels of success, taking things hard, you know, dealing with the ebbs and flows of life and yet just constantly being a positive person. And I think you're that the more, you know, moment that you just said is, is totally true. You you have to yeah. just stick with who you are. Don't try to hide it because it's really your greatest. Which story. is,
1: by the way, we said. I think yeah. I said earlier that women are competitive with women. I think people are right. Oh, I we're all the real yeah. One like, hundred We're just shitty. I love that. Like because I have kids, and and Ryan has a child, and you. There's an assumption like, oh, you know, you have to teach racism and stuff. Well, sure, but kids are shitty. Mm-hmm. Like kids are exclusionary. Kids yeah. are like judgy. Kids are just kind of shitty on a certain level. So, yeah. But do you think
2: your kids are racist? Like, do you think children are naturally racist? Because I, I think don't.
1: kids are lookist. There's there's all kinds of studies that if you put a baby in a room and you have a beautiful person and a and a not beautiful person, the baby will always choose a beautiful Those person. Stupid
2: babies.
3: Wow. That's
1: stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Like,
3: it's like, what, it's like, if you get a compliment from a kid, you know, it's real. You know what I mean? If a kid's like, you know, you're, you're annoying. You you know, it's a real, (laughs) it's real. Yeah. And like, (laughs) no,
1: I remember like, if let's say they've never been in a room with a a small person or an African-American person, they will point and be like, who's well, that? Well,
2: I think kids are inquisitive. They're not think, like who's that lower that, form of life. They'll just be like, what is that? To begin with, yeah. And we are way off the reservation on this topic.
1: No, I'm just saying like that, that people suck, I think is what I'm coming from, down from to. From the it's womb like, you're saying. From the womb. And it's also gender neutral. Like there is something to be said about a tribal species such as ourselves where there is constant competition from the second they're born even within a family right even the stories of like the twin that chokes out the other twin in the womb like there's some level of cruelty within us right
2: and Abel, baby
1: yeah and so when you see that like you're totally right i've heard a million stories of like I don't know, Uma Thurman. Yeah, you know, I was like 5'10 at like 12 and they would make fun of me. And now everyone's like, oh, the statuesque beauty. You know, like there's a lot of these sort of tales of like yeah, people that are that, awkward. You're
2: definitely right about that. There's a lot of folks who have been able to monetize. I don't want to say monetize. That sounds terrible. But people who have taken their what they thought was their worst part of them and actually becomes their thing that they're famous. Their, family, their, their attribute. attribute. Yeah. That's they're, why they're you have to significant like yeah. you have to stay strong. And it's hard. You, it's hard when you're it's hard. punched in the face every day.
3: Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. They yeah. It is. But I'm glad that I didn't change, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. So would you count like a big acting role as your moment when you like 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 Ryan said, when you when you gave up like a side gig or a day job and you you became a professional actor, would you call that like you're greenlighting yourself into this this entertainment business? Or would you feel like producing and writing and becoming more of the creator of the of the actual film or show as as more of a greenlit moment? Like what do you see yourself as? Where where would you personally find that? feeling of personal satisfaction
3: I mean acting is definitely like what I love the most and my number one passion in the world so I feel like when I had when I have like a big moment where I'm like booking a bunch of roles or like even this movie was straight to offer which is like feels so crazy I'm like what like a straight to offer like that's so it because that's only happened to me a couple of times but I'm starting to be uh recognizable enough to where everything's going straight to offer which feels like ah but I definitely wanna do more. I mean, I just produced the sci-fi movie called Reflex. We just had our screening of it in Los Angeles. I wasn't there unfortunately. But that was really cool to be on that side of it. And I think that that's like a greenlit moment in a sense that my dream is bigger than just acting. And that's why I like launched my loungewear company because I was like, I wanna eventually have my own production company. I'm gonna call it Hollywood Monster. I already have it as mine, but, and then I'm going to put like my loungewear and my clothing, bad kiss into the films that I, and then I had written, so I had actually written a professional cheerleading TV show and I actually pitched it to HBO Max. (laughs) I like harassed them. I like messaged the executives on Instagram. I'm like, Hey, listen, I need to talk to you. I have a TV show to pitch you. And they actually let me get on a zoom call with them and pitch it (laughs) to them. And they, they like read my script. They didn't end up buying it or anything, but you know, it was, that's was a cool moment. Too, it, didn't, I'm like,
2: it didn't stop you though. You just, it
3: didn't stop me. Of course. Yeah. And then actually that I got hired to write another script because I wrote that and people like read it and were like, wow, you're such a great writer. And I'm like, wait, really? Like, so it is just kind of like acting has opened up a whole creative side of me where I'm like, okay, I don't have to just stop at acting. Like it is so fun to be on the producing side. It's fun to, to write. It's fun to like, you know, be creative with my designs and like start a company. And I, I know that it will all like intertwine one day for my like ultimate goal and vision. And When I have my production company, my clothes are in it and I'm like writing my own films. So that's where I want to go. But yeah, I don't know. Acting still number one, of course. Like that's my number one passion.
2: Did you do the sci-fi film with someone else in your family? Cause I did notice there was another Patterson involved in that. Yes.
3: I cast my cousin in it. You did? I, yeah. Yes. I cast her. And in that's it. the one yes, you filmed
2: out in the desert?
3: Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then actually, that's the cousin I did the home movies with. She grew up on the farm with me.
2: And what's the name of that movie again? Reflect. Reflect. And is there a distribution deal for that right now? Or
3: we have a couple like offers on the table, so we're just like finalizing everything and figuring out where we want to go with it. But yeah, we and we got like so much great feedback, and like even a lot of like directors that were there were like messaging me like, "Oh my gosh!" Like because I I literally because my friend Dana knows me so well she wrote this script so she got to like she knows my range as an actress she knows like my personality so it, I think it was a great role for me because not many people you know they see me and they're like cool like we'll write this like one-dimensional like she's a cheerleader role but Dana knows like I can crank you I can do this like I have like range so she wrote all of that for me so you see like me acting crazy and fun and then you see like me angry and sobbing and she like just gave me this like awesome character to play with so I'm excited that like I had the opportunity
2: it's just so Mm -hmm. cool to know and I think for audience hopefully for audience members who are listening that you just doubled down and tripled down uh, that if that's that's not even a thing but you just double down on who you are as a person and you're just taking it you just take it to the next level every day, every day you are hustling, hustling, hustling. Yeah. It's crazy. I am so, it's, Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad we met and I really appreciate, you know, if you guys have time out there, you should, you should check out bad kiss. You should definitely check out grace's range of movies she's been in and will continue to be in because and you. you're, you're just, it's just really amazing how you've taken something that you love so much and gave up. You basically were like, I'm not doing that. And how quickly it's just turned around for you. If you don't, it's a true story of following your dreams. You know, Grace?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think like, I was like, if I'm going to go for this, I'm not going to do it half-assed. You know, if I'm going to really burn my old life to the ground and go for this, like <laughs> I'm literally going to not go half-assed. Like, I'm going to give this like everything I have and it has taken everything i have like this is literally all i do like from the moment i wake up from the moment i go to bed like there's not much room for like social life or all these things but at the end of the day like i love this and this is my passion and yeah i'm not going to do it half
2: fast yeah <laughs> it's something to look up to
1: no it's it's exciting grace and i'm i'm glad you're doing it my my one observation is as a fellow Excited entrepreneur, or whatever is avoid the shotgun mm-hmm. like think about how all this fits into the larger narrative, yeah, okay, because your energy and your enthusiasm may last, mm-hmm. but i don't know what it is if it's human nature, if it's this business, but it seems like there's a there's a predominant outlook, and we've heard it again and again from guests, and I've seen it in my life, Ryan's seen it in his life, is whatever you're known for, they just want you to know you for that, Yeah, right? Like there's a pigeonholing. And I know that your efforts are in no small part to try to avoid the Mm pigeonholing, to be everything. But my analogy to success in Hollywood is there's two ways to pop a balloon. You can grab it in both hands and push on all sides with a lot of effort and finally pop it. Or you can just take a pin and with no effort just pop it. Mm-hmm. So when you're going forward, like try to remember like who you are, yeah, and what you want to be when you grow up, mm-hmm. and always back up from that destination. So even if somebody comes at you and says, "Hey, we can do a blah blah blah," and it's like really cool and you'd be great for and whatever, just always put it through the filter of like, is that going to get me there, I love or is that. that going to lead? Lead me like astray, not not in a bad way. I mean, sometimes life is like, and I had no idea, and here I am, you know. But you seem very driven in a in a specific way, Mm -hmm. not just hey, I want to do stuff. You're like, no, I'm going here, doing this, and maybe you have people you are emulating or whatever. Mm -hmm. But. I would say to most people you're doing great. I'm not saying you're to change a thing. I'm yeah. saying for people like you or people that want to yeah, be like advice, you, advice like, to the masses. Just, just put it through the yeah, put it through the the you know, the filter of like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And that can change. Yeah. But at least have a destination. And every time you get up and every time a a potential job comes up or every time a potential idea for a script or a collaboration with a friend or whatever, whatever, always just ask yourself, like, does this serve that need? Because I've been active and I've been reactive in my life. And I see when I look back that maybe if I was a little bit more focused, you know, eyes on the prize, as they used to say, that maybe I might have made decisions that would have got me to where i want to be as opposed to like the long way around i have to ask since we're talking
2: about this and this is like this is serious and i don't think you're you're we're handing advice out unsolicited advice or thoughts out to the audience but do you (laughs) think that this has anything to do with alex and you know we go back a long way do you think this has to go back like as the creator of project Greenlight? when you had your opportunity to continue on in that genre or that that workspace that you moved away from that. Is that why you give that advice?
1: Yeah. I mean that's a specific I could I could give you personal and business No, I think the audience yes. Well yeah. So the story with that was is that I met a guy at a party and I was actually hitting him up for a job in scripted TV. And so I did like you. Hey, you're doing this? Great. Let's go out to lunch. I want to pitch you on that. Oh, you're doing that? I I can do that for you. Uh, You know, I was just, I was hard selling to do the thing that he wanted to do. What I happened to do was, and this is a fun like Hollywood pitch or drinks meeting or whatever, which is you're there for the, the reason you're there. And then once you kind of say your piece, It's more social and you're just kind of bullshitting. So after I had pitched myself on like, here's why I should direct your clerk's animated TV show, which is that's how long that was. I was saying we were just bullshitting. And I said to the guy, well, you know, it's funny. There's this show real world that I like to watch with my wife. And it's hilarious because it's a bunch of young people together and they're all stupid and they all have, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what if they made them make a film? Because every film I've been on has been crazy and there's always misadventures and people don't know what they're doing and egos come into it and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I don't even give a shit about your whole fucking spiel with the animated thing, but that's the best idea I've ever heard. Come meet my boss. So it, I didn't mean to. And then the next thing you know, the machine was moving in that direction. And I woke up, you know, two years later with a big agent at William Morris and like a production deal at ABC and a lot of money and like Emmy nominations and blah, 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 and movie stars. And I was like, great. And, you know, you meet with William Morris and you go, I don't know about this reality stuff, but here's a script I wrote. And they were like, give us some more of that reality shit, kid. You know, and that's all we want to hear from you. And. I basically had to have two careers going and insist that they give me a scripted agent and insist that they would send me out on scripted meetings. And eventually I got both going, you know? And then of course the writer strike happened and fucking kneecapped me, but it's just, you know, life happens. Right. And I'm glad it happened and I'm, I'm very proud of the show and I'm very proud of how it changed my life, how it changed other people's lives. And it's actually one of the few shows that I feel are a positive net outcome. Whereas some other reality shows, not all, but some can be exploitive. They can mislead the people in it. They can mislead the audience. They can edit to make people seem to be enemies and mean people when they're really just normal folks. And I don't necessarily like where the most of the business went. But yeah, I mean, Ryan, to be honest, like, yeah, you're busting me. Like that was a, that was a thing, but here's the reality, Grace. And I'd say it's to Ryan too. In summation, yes, there, there's an argument that- And by the way, I didn't mean to bust me, you.
2: I just thought maybe that was- No,
1: right. no, I think it's a good example. And you're understanding why I'm saying it, right? That's, that's the root of why I'm saying it, but it, it it's a double-edged sword. I don't know, you know, none of my script is, I, I made decent money as a screenwriter and and, other things that that were more elicited more personal satisfaction for me but I would say like since the year 2002 I've spent the better part of my adult life trying to not be the guy that just did Project Greenland
2: yeah well that's what I was saying is that I think some of the candid conversations you and I have had there has been there have been times where you've said you know you and I remember when we first met you were like I you know I don't really I don't want to do this reality thing. Although you probably could have farmed. You could have farmed from that field for the rest of your life, but you had other dreams. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, look, I'll give you an example. I won't name names, but I'm working on, and I always keep my hand in because if only because I want to do it my way. Join us on other episodes of how I got greenlit like the time we spoke to director Ollie Blackburn about his process while working on the star show, Dangerous Liaisons.
0: We had a, a sequence uh, with a wonderful actress and um, and she just wasn't quite, you know, it was a scene with her son and she just wasn't quite nailing it. It just wasn't happening. We were shooting and we were shooting. And it was a complicated thing. And and I just, I, I wasn't, this wasn't planned at all we were setting up a very complicated shot and I just started talking to her we ended up talking about her mum and her, her relationship with her mum and she was just talking and talking I let her talk it was actually pretty interesting what she was saying and then the camera was ready we called action and fucking hell she blew through the scene and at the end of it she was like I don't know what you did there I don't know what the conversation did but it just unlocked everything yeah yep and That's what acting is, is is you're channeling these things deep inside you at some very primal level. And often subconsciously, you're using them. And and that's a powerful thing.
1: Look for this and other interviews in our archive at How I Got Greenlit at a podcast provider near you. Should we talk about Hush? Yes!
3: uh, Do y'all love that movie too?
2: oh man it's on my favorite top <laughs> list of movies movies that i've seen wait, for real? wait
3: what <laughs>
2: all right let me talk i want to say look so the director is uh what's his name flanning is
3: mike, mike flanagan
2: who ended up writing and directing dr sleep with
3: his wife
2: oh is the star of hush is that his wife
3: Yes, uh, <laughs> Kate, Kate
2: Seagal. Repetition.
3: Yes, they're so cute. They like came up with the idea on a date before they got married. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: but, Sorry, go ahead. But look, uh, but Flanagan has has worked for Blumhouse. He's I, I don't know him personally. I didn't
1: see Doctor Sleep.
2: I had a. I'm a huge.
1: I like Doctor Sleep. It's a tough. That's a tall order. I can't even imagine. like
2: Kubrick is my favorite director. If anyone who knows me, I love the original obviously and I never saw it. The, the shinning? I never another good <laughs> another good throwback to the Simpsons. But he's he's worked for Blumhouse for a long time. He's made quite a few successful movies. This is one of his earlier ones. I would definitely say Grace got an A on the assignment because this definitely is a B-side of his. Yeah. I watched it. It is horrific. At yeah. the the murders are very personal, and I was they're shocking to me. Like yeah. every like when the guy gets stabbed. Look, there's going to be spoilers in this. Sorry, this is, this is just going to be. But it, I thought there was really cool things done with sound design because basically it's a woman. There's four actors in this. It was shot in Alabama. And on one location in a house oh, yeah. in the woods, a very simple premise. A Blumhouse, you know, Blumhouse, just like Lifetime, has their way. They stamp out movies. Blumhouse does the exact same thing. They're very successful at it. It is a business model. Four actors, small crew, and they pulled off this movie that is a, horrify, a horrifying concept, which is Deaf Woman. Living in a cabin, trying to finish a novel, gets basically attacked by some random dude that wants to murder her in a mask. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't play the mask the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the deaths, Smoking. The deaths are hor- exactly the deaths are horrifying. When her when the man, John I think it's John, comes up to the window and is like, hey, and then the other, the killer acts like a cop and is like hey, and Ugh. he just stabs him right in the neck in that one like quick move. And that's exact like I'm like, that is exactly how it'd be to die if you got stabbed in the neck.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's so good. And it's interesting too, because there's only like 15 minutes of dialogue in the movie, because I was like reading because and so he said Mike was like I listened to an interview. He was saying it was like a hard sell because like it's like one location. There's like no dialogue really in the movie. But it's, yeah, it's so terrifying. I remember watching it years ago on Netflix.
1: My favorite stabbing story for movies is when they were making Lord of the Rings and spoiler alert, Saruman, uh, played by Christopher Lee, gets stabbed in the back. And so the, the director says to him, "Okay, you know, you're going to get stabbed and you're going to go, ah, you're (laughs) going to like really like ham it up. And Christopher Lee, who was in the OSS in World War Two, he's like, um, so that's not what happens when you stab someone in the back. (laughs) And uh, I can tell you with firsthand experience. And he was like, "Okay, do it your way. And action. Yes. Crazy, right? (laughs) So crazy. Because I guess it's not
2: a screaming. It's not pain. There's no pain.
1: It's more like yeah. an exhalation, like a surprise. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: like, I yeah. just got stabbed.
1: Damn. <laughs> and I happened to just rewatch that recently. And I'm like, there it is. There it
2: is. <laughs> <laughs> My thing with Hush also is that I kept thinking, which is the, which is probably the thing that I'm not sure how many other people were thinking this, was she can't hear the level of noise that she's creating when she's sneaking around. Mm-hmm. And if she's yes. if she's deaf <laughs> from the beginning, from birth, She would never know how much sound she was ever generating. So like, yeah. how could she like, I, f- I almost wanted to do a comedy. ver. I was kind of running a comedy version in my head where everything Bad. that she was doing was like knocking over a drawer of uh, cutlery. Like she would take a small step and it would sound like a drawer of cutlery hit the ground. <sighs> I kept thinking like, she's making way too much noise right now. But, the, but the sound design, because she couldn't hear it. The way they did the sound design was quite genius. And I thought that fading in and out of that sound design was pretty damn cool. I thought that was a cool yeah. effect. The deaths, however, like when she gets her head bashed in, I was like, oh, my God, she just died. I like I didn't even see it as a like a dream. Maybe I I don't know, like brutal murders, brutal murders from just some random guy. And you know what? Yeah. That's really horrifying because and Blumhouse does this very well, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the way people get murdered sometimes. Sometimes just randomly somebody comes into your house and murders you. And yeah. that's life. That's life. It's, it's sad to say. And
1: death. That's death. It is. It is a simple concept. Mm-hmm. Well, well, executed. well executed. Yeah. But but I'm always more of afraid of the like the simple stuff. Like the it's it scares the shit that that particular subgenre of like I'm just sitting in my house and some rando just like tart, like the man. Yeah, that's right? exactly right. That was it's the too modern like, paradigm. It's scary, it's
3: like It's real. That's why it's scary because it's like,
1: that can too, happen. Like I'm yeah. in my house. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm at a tropical island and a shark decides to eat me. That's like, well, just yeah. avoid tropical exactly. islands. But you can't avoid like your living room. Right. Yeah, I love a horror movies like You're that where like, nah. yeah. yeah. it's Yeah. It's very just, personal. You can really imagine it could happen mm-hmm. you know? him killing the redhead um, like the strangers that kind of shit yes. just like oh that really movie gets me especially when you're fucks. watching it in your
3: house
1: like you have to turn the lights on it's kind of like even when you're like a grown-up and you're like i'm fucking yeah. scared this imaginary like dancing lights in my face are changing my like mood
2: turn on the hall light before you get into the hall yeah, after yeah. you watch a horror <laughs> movie yeah.
1: well they stab my hand i better be yeah
2: <laughs> it's a really i i enjoyed it i liked it i have to say I, it's not something that i would normally pick or pick to watch but i watched Ooh. it because we were going to talk about it and yeah. obviously now i'm really interested in what he did with you know he wrote dr sleep so I yeah. I'm really interested now. I'm going to go back and watch Dark to Sleep. So I, he did
3: Haunting of Hill House too.
2: Yeah, he's done a lot. Mm-hmm. Of, he's done actually quite a few. This definitely was one of his B sides. This was early in yeah. his career.
1: Million dollar budget. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah, yeah.
2: and executed very well. The you know Ooh. not fancy, not a lot of fancy lighting. Although I'm sure it wasn't easy. Um, and then yeah, I liked it. Alex, how did you feel about it?
1: Again, it pretty much the same. I like some horror movies sometimes. I'm probably more thriller than horror or more like horror than slasher, let's say. But, and a lot of people have said this, after you direct a movie, you never shit on movies again. Yeah. And I used, to, and, and Ryan will tell you, I was like Lead king shitter. shit. That sucks, here's Lead why, shitter. blah, blah, you know. And like, but then you make a movie and you see how fucking hard it is and how much goes in you, know, you you just basically like you take 3 years of your life and you pull it out like a kidney and a gallbladder and maybe like a half yes. a lung and you slide it over to the movie god and the movie god hands you a hard drive like here you go and so i never shit on movies anymore whether i like it or not now i like this one but most of it was from a respect mm. level wow they did a lot with a little or Oh, that was a cool shot. And knowing that it was a limited budget and an early film in the career. And do you know what I yeah. mean? Like a sliding scale judgment. It's just that I wouldn't, some people can't get enough of this genre. Like they're just in. It checked every. Me. I love business. horror movies.
3: I'm like, yeah, I'm in always.
1: Yeah. And, and you're, I don't know if it's age or d- demo, you know, like yeah. horror movies are more for women. Yeah. Did,
3: did you that know that? I believe it.
1: Yeah. Demo's huge for women. Why? Because you are afraid of getting murdered when you walk down a street.
3: Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. So, so I let's mean, that's watch what they, they did. Like, why is that? You know, why is that? Is because you are, must have fear. You must have a higher percentage of, of healthy fear in your everyday life in order to survive mm. as a woman, mm-hmm. any woman. Yeah. And so, and men don't know that. Men don't feel that but some men like horror for their own reasons, but I know that women love true crime podcasts, yeah. lifetime movies about husbands that aren't what they <laughs> appear and any horror movie because it's a catharsis of your everyday. fear. Yeah.
2: Wow. I did not, I did not. I
3: didn't, that I didn't really. think about it like that, but that makes total sense. Cause I love crime junkie. I love yeah. all the crime podcasts and
1: yeah. Love because you're like, okay, I can, uh, that's better now. Yeah. Like, you know, she, she made it, yeah. you know, barely like, Oh, barely. Jamie Lee Curtis made it barely you, made or whatever, it. you know, so Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis lives to fight another day. Great. You know, it's always that same message, which is like, Oh, the big bad sheriff got whacked and the, the, ha- the handsome football boyfriend got whacked. But you know, the little girl with the pluck, she made it out. Yeah. Was there a reason, Grace, you picked
2: this movie specifically or...
3: I don't know. I just love horror movies. And I, I was like, I've been, I thought about it the other day we were talking about it on set and then you asked me and I was like, that's like such a great movie that a lot of people don't really know about, but I love when I find someone who's seen it.
2: I would recommend it. I would recommend it. Yeah. Like,
3: I don't know. I watched it in college. And I remember it just like always stuck with me like that. It it was just, yeah, I don't know. I loved it.
2: I'm going to throw out a, a little thought that I had at the end of the movie. So did it, did you notice that at the end of the movie, when the police car was was arriving, that she did this really weird kind of evil, wry smile? No. <laughs> yeah, so at the very end of the movie, before it cuts in the police car, and it's uh, basically a close-up of her face sitting on the deck of the house, she has this very wry, evil smile. And it made me wonder Why? And that maybe I'm just really, I have really bad thoughts in my head, but it made me wonder, did she hire the guy to do it? Because <gasps> she couldn't finish her novel. And did she hire the guy to do it? And why was John there in the first place? Why did he show up? And her, and why would he kill the redheaded girlfriend first? Because she'd gone away. Where did she go? She went to her house. Oh. Like you should come over. So was it close enough for her to walk? It just made me think at the end, if you watch like the last five seconds of the movie, she has this wry smile on her face. And I was like, oh, she was the reason oh, why all this happened.
3: No, I'm going to have to like go Google this and like see if I can, I love like, I love when, when movies make you think like that. Yeah. I'm going to I'll have to Google it and see if anybody else noticed that. I
2: Well, I, I watched three people very personally get killed and even the lead actress yeah. get killed by getting her head bashed in. And it just yeah. was like, this all seems way too personal. Like all the deaths were yeah. way too personal. And when he's coming in through the tub, that scene is pretty awesome. She he breathes on the back of her neck. He should have. She just should have killed him right there, stabbed him in the head. But she didn't do it. She got him in the arm. He got winged a few times. He wasn't going to live through the night anyway without medical help. So, yeah. and then the corkscrew to the neck kind of finished that. By the way, super realistic blood, super realistic uh, injury. So, really. Yeah. Ugh. usually grace you know we do these movies these b-side movies sometimes the conversations are short sometimes the conversations are long i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure we need to go any further on this one what do you think grace do you have anything else to say about hush
3: no i think that if you like horror movies you should watch it if you're listening
2: yeah that's right (laughs) i enjoyed it yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah It definitely is a B-side. And Flanagan, he continues to work. He's got projects coming up.
3: Yeah, I saw.
2: Yeah, Yeah, he's, he's. does he still make movies with his, they're married now? Do you know if he still makes movies? Yeah, they still
3: do. She was in Haunting of Hill House. And then I, I don't know if she was in Doctor Sleep, but it seems like they're, I know they're still married. They're like a, power team, power couple.
2: I right. It. I did notice she was like in four of his first, like five or six films.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that too. I was like, that's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> and probably
2: as a producer too. Is she a good, do you find her to be a good actress? A good actor? Yes, actress?
3: I think she's great, yeah. Is she actually deaf?
2: Think? No, 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 no. It's pretty impressive.
3: I know, that's what I, yeah, I think that's a really hard performance to do something like that. Like no dialogue, like everything's literally just like, yeah. And playing deaf. I can't even imagine. Like, I think she's really talented.
2: She wasn't screaming or like, it was all very, like all the sound design was really cool. I got to give them credit yeah. for, for the sound design. It was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. Well executed. I have to say, Alex feel the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, as I said again, like technically really well done a lot with a little, I'm always impressed with that. And, and most people aren't right. I mean, that, that's the nice thing is I think the predominant, I don't think there's a lot of film snobs that love horror movies. I think there is some, but mostly it's just average people that just want an entertainment Release. or an escape. And yeah, like yep. catharsis, as as the Greeks would say, but it delivers. Yeah, There's a reason the guy is successful and that mourners would give him, I don't know. What was that? $75 million, $90 million Dr. Sleep. I mean, you got to look at that and say, yeah, look what this guy did with a million. What's he gonna do with right. like you know,
2: right, right, eighty? And you and you and McGregor,
1: <laughs> and it, Yin Yin. Um, yeah, so you know, thank you for and and that's what's fun is like we we get exposed to stuff that maybe in our own little like bubble. You know, I know that I'm kind of a I've settled into my the genres that I like, and maybe I don't go a far afield. No, it's unless... cool to
2: see something outside of what I would normally watch. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so thank you for That's that. Nice. And thank you for everything. I mean, it's, it's great. We get all kinds here, which is great. <laughs> and But it's fun to meet, how do I say this? It's fun to talk to and work with younger filmmakers because they allow me to remember why I'm here oh, I and why I put up with the bullshit because mm-hmm. there is a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. and I don't look at you ruefully and be like oh you look silly <laughs> one day you'll learn you know yeah. like I heard a great anecdote I mean he's such a smart guy and I'm a big fan of David Milch who's a showrunner very famous showrunner he did Deadwood and he did NYPD Blue and he did uh, Hill Street Blues and one of the smartest men that ever walked the face of the earth, he was like a, you know, summa cum laude from Yale and this and that and the other. And he's got Alzheimer's. So he just wrote a book. He wrote a, a memoir that he's kind of struggling through because he knows he's losing his mind because it's always the smartest ones that get it, right? That's just, a, that's just life. It's just, fuck you. You're smart. You're going to get Alzheimer's, right? Mm. And he, he was talking about why do we smile that certain kind of sweet smile when we meet a baby or a puppy? Oh. And his explanation was, it's an involuntary reaction where inside our brain, we're saying, oh, you dummy, (laughs) you haven't felt pain, you haven't felt loss, you haven't felt death, just wait. And we're kind of smiling, we're not smiling like, oh, you're going to hurt eventually. We're saying like, oh, you're so lucky that everything's fresh and new and exciting. And that's why we get puppies. And that's why we have babies. And that's why we're around that stuff because it reminds us not to be so callous and so covered in our armor, to not, especially as artists, to not access our vulnerabilities, which is ultimately our strengths, right? Going back to what we said before, you know, it could be your your big nose or your tall, you're too tall, or you're goofy looking when you're young and you grow into your looks. It could also be your vulnerability. Yeah. Like for me, it was my, that I was an artist and a, like a really sensitive kid and, you know, boys under 11 don't comprehend that. They're like, oh, you must be a, what they used to use the F word a lot, you know? Wuss, let's and, say wuss. Uh, and we don't use it anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's reminding me to like continue to be open, I love that. continue to be exposed, even when I get hurt. And that's like love. That's like life, you know, and to really be an artist, you have to let the noise in and you have to let it hurt you a little bit or try not to maybe understand what it's doing. But, you know, catharsis could be, I watched a movie and now I feel better about life. But for an artist, for us that make them, the catharsis is the making. Yeah. The movie that me and Ryan made, I got my divorce out. You know, I don't, I don't suffer that pain anymore because I got it out and it's truly helped, you know? So it's that say like whatever shit you went through coming up, whatever shit you continue to go through as a young, pretty blonde woman that people, either women are going to judge you for being X or men are going to want you for being Y. Mm you know, don't shut down. Yeah. Don't get too hard. Thanks
2: for inspiring us. Grace.
1: I
3: love that. No, it's, it's like tough to like, it's, it's easier said than done for sure to like,
1: cause yeah. that is like, you're like, key. oh, this asshole. I know what he's going to oh, say. Yeah, I can for tell sure. by you're what You're just like, well, why would me? I even yeah, try, yeah. but you're
3: right. It's like, we, yeah, exactly. Like love, like most of the time it never works out, but like, why do we still try to fall in love? You know what I mean? Like, we always have to be open. Love
1: always, yeah. love always ends in tears. It does, yeah. But, yeah, but we we want it back. back. Yeah,
3: exactly. Like, why do we so desperately want it? And it's important to remember to, like, yeah, not become cold because it's easy to get
1: yeah. jaded. Quickly. Just, I'm never I'm never going to do it again.
2: Grace, yeah. thank you for, for joining us today. Really, thanks for coming to How I Got Greenlit. Really appreciate it. Ah!
3: Thank y'all so much for having me yeah. on. This has been so much fun.
1: Thanks so much.
2: You want to go through the plugs one more time? You can see Grace on yes. Lifetime in. Go. Just
3: let the doctor order, cheer for your life, college professor obsession, <laughs> spring break nightmare coming soon, <laughs> twisted sister coming soon, <laughs> uh, bomb bomb murders. I, I think you're ready for
1: a best of lifetime. I think they should put out just a yeah, special Grace like, Patterson weekend. you know, DVD box set The so. Grace Patterson week. I think that's like. like
3: the next thing, you know,
1: <laughs> then yeah,
3: badkiss.com, awesome. badkiss official on Instagram. I'm Grace Victoria Patterson on Instagram, my best friend, Christy Fisher, Christy with an I and a C <laughs> um, on Instagram. <laughs> it's spelled weird, so people always get it wrong. But yeah, those are the plugs.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Great. And for our plugs, join us at howigotgreenlit at gmail.com for any questions or comments, at howigotgreenlit at Instagram and Twitter. And for myself, Alex Collegian
2: and Ryan Gibson,
1: we are How I Got Greenlit. Thank you, Grace Patterson. Thank
2: you.